So last week we looked um, at Matthew 22 and got Jesus' commandment to love God and what that meant in our lives. Today we'd like to carry in on that concept of love, but focus on loving each other. So today our passage is from John 15, verses 12 to 27. All the scripture will be on the screen in front of you, um, but feel free to look it up in your own Bibles as well. But this is what it says. John 15, starting in verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my commit teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law, they hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful morning. We want to thank you that we can come together, united as your church, to worship you and to read your Bible and to pray, Lord. We pray that our hearts will be open this morning to hear your words. And my prayer is that these words are not my own, but from you, Lord. I pray that what we learn here this morning will stay in our hearts and won't just leave us when we walk out of this place. And in your holy name we pray. Amen. So last week, we looked at our church mission statement. And we looked at what it meant to love God. Today, we'll be focusing on the second part of this statement, loving others. This is our church mission statement. It should be on the board our mission statement, or sorry, we are committed to the Lord Jesus and his commands to love God, love each other, and our neighbors, 
and to carry out his commission to make disciples. Our mission statement has four distinct parts. Loving God, which we looked at last week, and the three remaining are this, loving each other. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Loving our neighbors. These are those that are in the world. And fourthly, making disciples as Scripture commands. And just as there are three facets to the second half of our mission statement, our passage in John 15 can also be broken down into three different sections. So the first section is verses 12 to 17. And this is about how we must relate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about our relationship with fellow believers within the church. The second section is verses 18 to 25. And it tells us about our relationship with the world, with the non-believing world. This serves as a warning that persecution will come. However, we are still called to love the world as God loved the world. The third and final section is verses 26 to 27. And this section tells us about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's role in helping us to fulfill our love for the world. So this is our first section here, loving other believers. When trying to understand what it means to love other believers, it is important that we remember that we are the body of Christ and that we are members of the same family. John 1.12, which is just one of the many verses in Scripture, says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This shows that anyone who accepts Christ and receives him and believes in his name are our brothers and sisters. Visualizing other believers as family is important and helps us understand how we are supposed to love each other. Everyone has family. Some have better examples of family, and some maybe not so much. But who here has siblings? Show of hands. Most of you? Okay. So I myself have three sisters. I was blessed to have three sisters. I am the second eldest in the family and can say from personal experience that siblings are hard to love. So is anyone here the oldest sibling in the family? Oldest sibling. Yeah. So my older sister, she's very bossy. She loves to tell me and my sisters what to do and is always the first to tell me when I mess up. She's hard to love, but I'm called to love her. Anyone here the youngest in the family? I got along very well with my youngest sister, except when she would be a tattletale, tell my parents everything, get me in trouble. She too was hard to love. Nonetheless, I was called to love her. Any middle children here? Yeah. I'm included in this group, but unfortunately, I can be very stubborn, and I like to debate and argue 
I too am hard to love. So my point here is that we are to love other Christians as we love our family. Our family can be difficult to love. It takes work. But in our passage today, Jesus says in verse 12 of John 15, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one that Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This means that our love for each other must be a sacrificial love. And sacrifice is not easy. This means that sometimes we need to allow ourselves to be wrong, or to sacrifice our own desires, or sacrifice our desire to be right, in order to sacrificially love our Christian family. And this takes effort. So Paul teaches us in his first letter to the Corinthians, this is 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. And this chapter is all about love, and this is what Paul says. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Do we hear what Paul is saying here? What he's saying, to put it in other terms, is I could be appointed by God right now and preach the most convicting, truth-filled sermon in the world, but if I don't have love, it would mean nothing. We could go on our way, sell everything we have, and go to serve the Lord in the missions field, but if we don't have love, it means nothing. I especially like Paul's words in verse 2, because this speaks directly to my heart. He says this. He says, If I have a faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. I don't know about you, but this hits me really hard. It's much easier to be unloving than to be loving. But as Jesus said in John 15, verses 10 to 11, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In other words, Christ's commandments are for our own good, and he has commanded us to love so that we can have his joy. It's for our own good. Now carrying on in our 1 Corinthians 13 in verse 4, 
Paul writes this about love. He says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love is patient and love is kind. This is what makes loving people so hard. Love requires us to be patient with others. We live in a world where patients are in short supply, and we don't want to have to be patient for anything, especially with other people. But we see here that love is patient. This means that when we are speaking with a brother or sister in Christ, and maybe they're not in the same place spiritually we are, we need to show patience towards them. Maybe they don't have the same understanding of a passage or a command in Scripture. We need to show patience towards them. And we must not allow ourselves to get angry with our brothers and sisters. This is how we show that we're exercising our love for one another. When we pull up to a parking spot in a parking lot, we turn on our turn signal and wait for somebody to back out, and somebody comes from out of nowhere and steals that spot, we must remain patient and act kindly towards them. As we know from this passage, love is not easily angered. And Jesus speaks directly at this issue of being angry with our fellow believers. In Matthew 5, verses 21 to 22, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Do you hear that? This is serious stuff. There are some serious consequences to this. Love is supposed to protect. Love is supposed to trust. Love is supposed to have hope and persevere and be patient and be kind and slow to anger, not tear down and destroy. Now, some of us may not be aware of what raka means. Um, this comes from an Aramaic term, and it literally is translated to empty-headed or useless. This is like calling a brother and sister a good-for-nothing idiot. And this anger is equated with the physical action of murdering someone. Jesus equates anger with a brother and sister with murder. This is serious stuff. 
And it's not always easy, but we have to remember to walk in love with one another. 1 John 3, 14 to 15. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Verse 15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Wow. That speaks to my heart, because I can't count on my fingers how many times I've gotten angry driving somewhere. Instead of showing contempt for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we must be reminded to be Christ-like. Psalm 145.8 comes to my mind. It's also the, a song that we sing here on Sunday mornings. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Let's say that out together. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. We too must be slow to anger and rich in love. We must imitate God. Paul concludes this 13th chapter to the Corinthians with this breathtaking statement. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I'm amazed when I read this because love seems so simple and yet it's greater than faith. This literally blows my mind. We read last week in 1 John 4.8 that God is love. And this means that we have to walk in his ways of love. We must imitate God. And God is love, so imitate God's love. Do you know what the biggest difference between our love for our Christian family and the world is? When we love other Christians, when you love me, I'm required to love you back. All Christians are called to obey Christ's commands and love each other. Amen? All Christians are to exercise patience and kindness towards one another. The world, on the other hand, will hate us. The world, seeks, the world loves in a self-seeking way. How do we know that the world is going to hate us? Because the world hated Jesus. And in our passage this morning, in verses 18 and 19, it says, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. This is Jesus speaking. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. In other words, if the world hated Christ, then it's going to hate Christ's followers. The slave is not greater than their master. But the real kicker here is that we're not allowed to show hatred back to the world. 
Christ loved the world even though the world hated him and rejected him. John 3.16, which we know oh so well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still part of the world, Christ died for us. Christ still loves the world. We must imitate the love that Christ has for the world in our own lives. Now, fortunately for us, our God is a very wise God. And our God wants to set us up for success and not failure. So our God gave us great advice on how to love and conquer the hatred of the world. God knew that he left, if he left us to our own devices, the world would hate us and we would want to hate the world right back. Fighting fire with fire. Giving them a taste of their own medicine. But because of this, God told Paul to write a letter. He wrote a letter to the Romans. In Romans 12, verses 9 to 10, he wrote this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And then continuing on in verses 14 and 19, to 19, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Wow. It's like an arrow in my heart. To have a sincere love, we must hate what is contrary to God. And what is contrary to God? Evil. By loving the world, we're not accepting and loving the sin of the world. We do not love the evil of the world, but we are called to love the people of the world. All evil must be purged from our thoughts, and we must be devoted to loving others fully. When evil is sent our way, we must fight it with love. We are called to bless those who persecute us, for we must not hold their actions against them. And we see a perfect example of this in Stephen. In Acts 7, Stephen is dragged out, and as he's being stoned, in verse 70, he says this, Then he, Stephen, fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Wow. Do not hold this sin against them. Do not hold their hatred against them. They were murdering him, and he prayed not to hold it against them. 
This is powerful stuff. I especially love verse 17 from Romans 12. It says that we're not to repay the evil of the world with evil. That is like my first response. Somebody says something insulting to me, you instantly want to jump on them with an insult back. But no, do not return evil for evil, but return love to them. This is hard. I'm working through this. This is hard stuff. The next verse in verse 18, we're called to live at peace with everyone. With everyone. Not just live at peace with your fellow believers. Not just live at peace with those who you get along with and don't bug you. Live at peace with everyone. And it tells you why at the end of this passage. Why are we to live at peace with everyone? Because God will repay evil. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. His divine wrath in the end will repay their evil, not us. And again, Paul being Paul, he closes this chapter in verse 21 with an amazing statement. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's read that one together too. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When we act out our love for the world and refuse to pay back evil for evil and instead show them love from the bottoms of our hearts, we can overcome their evil. It's powerful. Love is powerful. The greatest of these is love. So what we may be thinking, how can we tangibly show love to an unbelieving world? Well, one of the greatest ways that we can show our love for the world is this. Is to share the answer to life and the universe with them. And we know that that answer is Jesus Christ. Amen? Sharing the gospel of Christ and making disciples. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, as known as the Great Commission. And Jesus, Jesus comes back after his death and resurrection, and he's with his disciples. And this is what happens. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Christ is telling his disciples that they are to share the gospel of Christ with the world. And we too are disciples of Christ. Disciples are Christ followers. We are too called to this. This can seem intimidating and daunting, quite frankly scary, and something that we may be afraid to do. But here are a few comforting observations from this passage. Whenever we see a therefore 
in Scripture, we need to know what the therefore is there for. And here we see that the therefore is referring back to all authority on earth is given to Christ. All authority, both heaven and earth. And this is why we must make disciples of all nations, because they all belong to him. Another observation in this passage is that the disciples are commanded to teach and obey all the commands that Christ has commanded. And remember last week, we looked at loving God and how loving God and obeying are like this. You can't separate them. And these commands that Jesus gives, when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? It is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And these are the two greatest commandments on which all of the law and the prophets hang. So how are we supposed to share Christ with the world? John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is the key verse here for today. John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's not, they'll know your disciples because you go to church. It's not, they'll know you are disciples because you do good things sometimes to some people that you like. They'll know you are Christians or disciples by your love, by our love. And it's just like the song, the first song we sang this morning. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Amen? And it's by our love that the world will see Christ through us. And our love is what makes a difference in the world. Our love is our witness, and Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to aid us in sharing his love with the world. And this leads us to our third and final point here this morning, is that the Holy Spirit was sent to us to help us love the world to help us in this great commission to share Christ. John 15, 26 to 27, when the advocate comes, whom I sent to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Here we are told that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And that it is the Spirit that testifies of the truth of Christ alongside us. And in the following chapter, in verses 7 to 8, we're told more about the Spirit. And it says this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world 
to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And then a little bit later on in 12 to 13, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell what is yet to come. So there are three observations from these passages that we can take about the Holy Spirit and his aid with us to make disciples with the world. The first is that the Holy Spirit reveals the truth. The second is that the Holy Spirit convicts people. We don't convict people when we're witnessing. The Holy Spirit works through us, and we love them, and the Spirit convicts them. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit changes people's hearts, not us. We can't change people's hearts. The Spirit of God changes people's hearts. So we see when we love the world and desire to share Jesus with the world, we need not worry about revealing the truth, convicting people, or changing their hearts. Because the Holy Spirit is going to do that. But we are to stand in love because they'll know that we are Christians by our love. The Spirit living inside of us will guide us in the truth and guide them to truth. He will make known to us the truth of Christ and convict their hearts and change our hearts. We need to walk in love with one another to see the advancement of the kingdom of God. So here's just a little recap of what we talked about here this morning. The first point is this. We are to love believers as family. This is not always easy. Family can be difficult to love, but this is a necessity. Second point. We are to love the world even when the world hates us. We are to love the people of the world, not the things of the world, not the evil of the world, not the ways of the world. We are to love the people of the world as Christ loves the people of the world. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is given to us to help testify about Christ and will help convict and change hearts in our command to create disciples of Christ. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. They have one last song for us. And I'd like, I'd like to see if we can all just stand up and we'll pray together and close in prayer here. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the love that you have shown us. And we want to thank you that you gave your Son to come to this earth to show us what it looks like to love. And we want to thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit as believers to aid us in your commands to go and make disciples of all nations. Heavenly Father, I pray that when we leave this place, we'll remember to walk in love with our brothers and sisters and to walk in love with the people of the world 
And we pray, I pray that we will not forget that when we get in our cars and somebody cuts us off, Lord. Please help this to remain in our hearts. And in your holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 And all God's people said, Amen.